Hey everybody, you're listening to Amazing Arizona Comics Radio, the podcast I record to talk about my mini-comic, Amazing Arizona Comics, a local superhero satire of Arizona news, history, and culture. My name is Russ. Thanks for clicking player for downloading this thing. I really appreciate it. This is a special episode of Amazing Arizona Comics Radio. One, because I'm making it in the first place. I don't make these very often, so every episode is special, don't you think? (laughs) But I'm also recording and posting this episode on August 28th, the day that would have been Jack Kirby's 100th birthday. Comic book fans and artists around the world are celebrating today because Jack was extremely influential. If you're listening to this and you haven't heard the name Jack Kirby, he was basically the guy that drew the stories you think Stan Lee wrote Stan Lee is credited with the creation of characters like the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, the X-Men, Silver Surfer, and so on. But so many of those characters were co-creations. You know, if somebody came up with the idea, somebody had to draw them, and Stan wasn't an illustrator. Jack Kirby was the guy that defined the Marvel Comics house style with Fantastic Four in the early 60s and continuing with characters like Spider-Man, the Avengers... The Silver Surfer, later in Fantastic Four, X-Men comics. So many great characters that today are practically household names because of the way they've been interpreted and reincarnated in multimedia, TV shows, cartoons, video games, movies, and so on. Jack Kirby's influence is still felt in all of that media. And that's why of the many creators that helped define what comics have become today from the golden and silver ages, his birthday is the one we set aside as extremely special. Of course, Jack didn't start drawing with Marvel Comics in the early 60s. He had been in the industry long before that. He created Captain America with Joe Simon in the early 1940s before joining the military himself. And when he returned... He went right back to the drawing board, creating the romance genre of comics in the 50s and contributing to every other genre imaginable as well. Sci-fi, western, horror. And then it was in the early 60s that he and Stan Lee created Fantastic Four, which in turn spawned the Marvel Universe. Jack left Marvel Comics in the late 60s, early 70s, and joined DC Comics, where he created the New Gods saga Ironically, or interestingly enough, in the uh, very low-key title, Jimmy Olsen, Superman's Pal. I say ironically because that was such a campy title back then. You know, Jimmy Olsen was prone to adventures in which he'd turn into a giant turtle or something. But Jack Kirby brought a bit of gravitas to the book when he launched his New God Saga, which is a weird combination of ancient mythology and Shakespeare and science fiction and fantasy. Characters including Darkseid and Steppenwolf, who will be the big bad guy in the upcoming Justice League movie. So these names will be as household uh, as the X-Men or the Avengers. That's right, non-comic book fans, people that are just going to these big-budget superhero films in the theaters, they're going to know who Steppenwolf is. <laughs> That's a crazy thought to me, having known of these characters for so long, but it's also exciting to know that that is Kirby's mark on pop culture. It continues, and there's more material to mine. We have an even 
heard of it all in film or video games and whatnot because he created so much stuff in his life. Passing away in the uh, early 90s, that's when I first heard about Jack. I saw his name in memoriam from so many artists that I admired at the time being a young man reading comics. I looked into who this Jack Kirby was, and that's when I realized how responsible he was for so many of the things I like. Not just influencing those artists I was following at the time, but truly creating the characters that they were drawing. So now, a hundred years to the day that Jack was born, we celebrate his life, we celebrate his legacy. And here in Phoenix, I've come up with a couple of interesting events to do just that. You know, a few years ago when I moved back to Arizona... I was looking online for ways the community was celebrating Jack's birthday. I had known of many other celebrations around the country. I lived in California and went to a few there. I would find lists every year online of here's what's happening in Portland, here's what's happening in New York, here's what's happening in Boston. And everything seemed very exciting and multidimensional, not just typical comic book shop stuff with artist signings and whatnot, but real outside of the box events, stuff that would bring people in that perhaps weren't familiar with Jack and that would learn more about him. Well, I couldn't find anything like that here in Phoenix. That's not to say it wasn't happening. I just didn't know and still don't if it was happening then. So I decided to take on the mantle of Jack Kirby birthday celebration organizer. In 2015, we hosted a gallery show and an open mic for poets or storytellers that perhaps didn't draw but still wanted to express their feelings about Kirby's influence on their art. It ended with a great tutorial by local artist Steve Rude. Yes, he is local. He lives in the Phoenix area, but you may know him from his uh, co-created independent titles, Nexus, The Moth. The guys worked on Superman and Batman in DC Comics, The World's Finest. He's drawn X-Men and Spider-Man comics over at Marvel, and many, many more. He learned his craft Thanks to Kirby, in some large part, Kirby being one of his uh, industry heroes. He lives here in the Valley. When I found out, I asked if he would close this open mic with a talk about Jack and a little drawing tutorial, and he was happy to do that back in 2005. In 2016, just last year, we had a live reading, a theatrical performance of Kirby's The New Gods, number two. Local comedians, actors, and even comic book artists like Dave Beatty and The Janimal joined us for that. Dave, Jan, and I did a signing at All About Books and Comics afterward, the proceeds of which benefited the Hero Initiative. That was our second annual celebration. This year, the third annual, even bigger and better. Over the weekend, four local artists, the Janimal once again, along with Dirk Heron, Bertie Bertishaw, and Zoe Sugg, they gathered at Drawn to Comics, a comic book store in Glendale, Arizona, and they attempted, as I have the last three years as well, the 24-hour comic challenge. They each drew a 24-page comic inspired by a Kirby theme that I gave them. And I recorded the whole thing, 24 consecutive hours of raw creativity. Hopefully that will be released as a web series sooner than later as my brother and I edit this footage into small episodes that you can watch on YouTube. So I'll probably promote that on Amazing Arizona Comics Radio sooner than later. But that was a Kirby-themed event drawn at Drawn to Comics. Tonight, the 28th, I found 10 local comedians willing to roast Kirby's seminal creation, Captain America. That's right, Captain America himself will appear at Monkey Pants Bar and Grill tonight for a good old-fashioned roast. 
Now, you might ask yourself, Russ, how does making fun of Jack Kirby's creation like Captain America celebrate the guy? I mean, that's kind of irreverent, isn't it? I love comics. I love Cap. I don't want to see him mocked by comedians. But I got to tell you this. Every time I've watched a celebrity's roast, whether it's on Comedy Central or one of the old Dean Martin roasts, I've always learned something about the celebrity they're making fun of. It's always been inadvertently educational. So with that, I decided to host this roast. So these comedians that may also love Jack Kirby, that read comics but don't necessarily draw them, they can participate in the celebration with their art and craft. Meanwhile, people coming to this thing that don't know a lot about Jack Kirby, of course they're familiar with Captain America, but they don't know where he came from in the comics per se, now they'll hear the name and perhaps be tempted to do a little research and learn more about Kirby's rich legacy. That's my agenda with tonight's event, and it will be an episode of Phoenix Tonight that will also appear on YouTube, Phoenix Tonight being my own live late-night talk show. So that'll be coming up soon, too. There'll probably be a follow-up to this episode then where I plug these things and where you can find them on the Internet. But they will be live here in the Valley uh, over this past weekend, having started, of course, on Saturday and continuing to tonight. I've done a few other things to celebrate Kirby over the past, uh, what's it been, 72 hours or so. I was interviewed on our local NPR affiliate, KJZZ. I talked about Kirby and plugged these very events I've just mentioned. I also told a story at Untidy Secret Storytelling at Ash Avenue Comics in Tempe. And I have recordings of both of those things that I'm going to put at the end of this very podcast. So this is kind of my comprehensive offering on Jack Kirby's 100th birthday via podcast. I talked about his legacy, but then I also connected Kirby to the recently departed Jay Thomas, one of my favorite comedians and a guy that was kind enough to talk to me on his radio show. So I link that to, uh, to this, a celebration of real-life heroes, people that create art that you enjoy. You know, while we still have them, it's important to acknowledge them. You know, last year was a hard year for a lot of people because celebrities were seemingly passing away left and right. We heard of so many famous names that were important to us when we were kids, and even now... Whether you create art or simply enjoy it in its many forms, comics, movies, comedy, television, uh, books, and literature, a lot of people passed last year. And there was a lot of mourning on social media as a result. What struck me about that mourning is how regretful some of the tone of, of those posts seemed to be. You know, these people are so important to us. They're practically friends or family considering how their art has shaped our personality and when you pull the lens back, our culture, I dare say that while we have them, send them a fan letter. Send them a message on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. I know it seems old-fashioned and perhaps eh, it's not very productive. They're not going to see that compared to the busyness of their lives or the hundreds of other correspondence they must receive. But it will help you feel good having expressed how they make you feel, whether it's a comic book artist, whether it's an actor, a musician, a comedian, just a hey. I appreciate what you're doing out there. That might not be worth the thousands or millions of dollars they receive monetarily, but spiritually it's kind of priceless. If not even for them, then just for you. It helps kind of close a door on your part, uh, on, on, the, on your fandom with them. So when they do pass, you can say, you know what, I let them know. That's how I feel about Jay Thomas. I had an opportunity to express my fandom for his work on The Letterman Show. And that's how I feel now doing these events for Jack Kirby. It's an appreciation. 
It's an expression of gratitude. And hopefully it's a, a small way to continue the legacy and keep people entertained. We're not just sitting around and remembering him, saying his name out loud as if we're evoking the spirit. We're doing progressively creative things in their honor. So they know that the impact wasn't just some shallow love of their work, but it was part of the developing of a philosophy about entertainment and performance. Thank you, Jack Kirby, for being as innovative as I hope these events I've planned for you are. And without further ado, here is the story I told at Untidy Secrets, followed by my interview on KJZZ here in Phoenix. Happy birthday to Jack Kirby. All right, so we're going to have one more speaker, and then we'll have an intermission. And next speaker is Russ Kaznirsen. Sarah and Bill for um, squeezing me in the last minute. Um, I asked if I could tell the story. I think it was just last night. Um, a lot of death in the room tonight, and my story will be no exception. Sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> Jack Kirby would have turned 100 years old on Monday, August 28th. And if you don't know who Jack Kirby is, he created uh, that or that. I could just wave my hand in this, a comic book store, and probably be accurate because Jack Kirby drew. The stories you know that Stan Lee wrote. Stan Lee had the concept for many of the most famous characters you know from the Marvel Comics universe, but Jack Lee co-plotted and most importantly drew those stories, designing the characters and laying out the, uh, the concept as a visual story. So Captain America in the 1940s, Fantastic Four, The Avengers, Silver Surfer, over at DC Comics, uh, the new gods, including Darkseid and Steppenwolf, who will be the villain in the big Justice League movie coming out in November. So Jack Kirby created a lot of the things you and I love. And he would have turned 100 years old had he lived uh, past uh, 76, I believe it was, uh, when he passed away in uh, 93 or 94. Uh, and geeks like me celebrate his birthday every year uh, all over the country, if not the world. So this is a big one the centennial of Jack's life, uh, and it's got me thinking about mortality, and most importantly, how easy it is to live forever. That's right. I believe Jack Kirby, the king of comics, unlocked the secret to eternal life, and it is simply this, storytelling, perpetuating tales of our own celebrations or woe, and we retell those tales to one another. Uh, in one form or another, whether it's comics or like this, out loud prose, to celebrate life and to keep it going. Another uh, real-life hero of mine, Jay Thomas, uh, passed away this week as well. Jay Thomas, you may remember, was uh, Carla's husband on Cheers, Eddie Lebeck. He was also on uh, Mork and Mindy with Robin Williams, and he was on the show Murphy Brown on CBS, if you guys might remember that from the early 90s. He filled in for Howard Stern for quite a while every Friday on Howard's uh, Sirius XM radio show. And that's where I uh, actually talked to him. I wrote an article for a local blog called Nerdvana last year about Nerdvana with a T. Uh, get it. So uh, yeah. <laughs> wrote an article for that blog about Jay Thomas's repeated visits to uh, The Late Show with David Letterman. Every Christmas season, Jay Thomas would go on The Late Show. He probably did it 15, if not 20 times. 
every year he would go on and throw a football at the meatball at the top of Dave's Christmas tree. Now, I'm not going to explain the origins of that, but it is interesting. There was a, a meatball at the top of Dave's Christmas tree there in the Ed Sullivan studio, and Jay Thomas would come and participate in what Dave called the quarterback challenge, where he would throw a football at the meatball on the top of this Christmas tree. So I wrote an article, being a, a late-night talk show aficionado, uh, about how I cherished this tradition, and with Dave's recent retirement, how I'd miss it. Well, Jay Thomas's people found that article online. I guess uh, a lot of people are not hashtagging Jay Thomas regularly. So <laughs> they found the article and uh, emailed me and said, would you like to talk to Jay live on his Sirius XM radio show about this article? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. So I talked to him coincidentally on my birthday uh, in December, and it was an incredible gift. Um, and it's on YouTube if you search for uh, Jay Thomas and me, Russ. Of course, I had to chronicle it for all time on YouTube. Uh, until YouTube finds it uh, offensive in some way and removes it based on the regulations of their community standards. Anyway, um, so I talked to Jay on my birthday, and it was fantastic. Uh, and by the way, he sounded great. So uh, it's a surprise to know that eight months later, he did indeed uh, lose his battle, battle with cancer. Um, but I thought uh, there's no better way to uh, allow him this gift that Jack Kirby has taught me this eternal life, the, the uh, pro-life equation, if you will, uh, than to tell this, the story that Jay told to Dave for 15, if not 20 years, on The Late Show. Uh, every time he threw that football, he coupled it with a tale, uh, a story from his own life. Dave, Dave Letterman calls it the best late-night talk show story ever told by a celebrity. So I will now tell you the best late-night talk show story ever told by a celebrity on television. Here we go. Jay Thomas. He was a young DJ uh, in the 70s in Charlotte, North Carolina. Are you familiar with this? Because yeah. I, lo I love the knowing laughter I'm getting up here. This is awesome. Okay. I'm going to feed off of your energy then. Do you remember the street? The name of the street they drove in? Don't remember the name. It was Moorhead Boulevard. I just wanted to look awesome. And call you on. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. You're my proverbial Paul yeah. over here. My proverbial Paul Schaefer over here. Okay, anyway. Uh, so Jay Thomas was a young DJ working in Charlotte, North Carolina. And you know how these uh, radio jocks do. they got to go open car dealerships and whatnot, cut the ribbon or promote uh, you know, a cheap oil change or something like that. So Jay Thomas was doing a remote, and they would often book celebrities to appear for the kids, take pictures, the parents come down, get your oil changed, buy a car, whatever. Well, Clayton Moore was the celebrity that was booked for this particular uh, event, this particular remote. He was the Lone Ranger on TV in the 50s. So he wore the, the, uh, the mask, and he had the Carolina blue shirt, and he had his six guns and everything. And by this time in Clayton Moore's career, he probably believed he was the Lone Ranger. He showed up in costume, ready to go, left just as he had arrived. So uh, this was a very amusing for everyone. Jay's friend, uh, Michael Martin, also came. Give Jay a little payola check, probably. And while Clayton Moore was entertaining the crowd, Jay and his buddy Mike went over to the dumpster to uh, herb up, if you will. They herbed up at the dumpster and uh, returned to find everything the Lone Ranger was saying. Absolutely hilarious, you know. So the crowd disperses and they're folding up the tables and the chairs and putting away the equipment. And the Lone Ranger is just standing there. His car hasn't arrived. Jay realizes the radio station dropped the ball on this one and there's no car to come and bring him back to the... Red Roof Inn or whatever over on Moorhead Boulevard. So Jay, stoned out of his mind, 
walks up to the Lone Ranger, tries to keep his composure, and says, uh, Mr. Lone Ranger, uh, would you like a ride back to your hotel? I guess I'm kind of in charge here. I work the radio, and the Lone Ranger, the Lone Ranger says, sure, I would like that. So Jay uh, pulls up his 10-year-old Volvo, moves some, like, trash around in the back seat, and the Lone Ranger gets in the car, and he starts to drive him to the the Red Roof Inn or whatever, and they're acting like they're not stoned. They're doing their best to maintain composure, but it seems, I guess, that when you're stoned and you're trying not to act stoned, you just appear more stoned. So <laughs> they're in traffic. The silence is deafening. The Lone Ranger can't even see out of the front window because Jay says he had, like, this white man's afro that was blocking the view. His buddy looked like a Bay City roller with long rock and roll hair and tight pants and platform shoes and stuff. So they look like a couple of weirdos trying not to act stoned in this traffic jam. Uh, the guy in front of him is driving a Buick and decides he wants to get out of this mess, so he backs up his car to, to pull out, and he hits Jay's car, and Jay says he could hear the headlamp crack. He, this guy broke the headlight. This guy broke my headlight. My, my headlight, right? Is that what it's called in the front? Cracks my headlight. <laughs> so, uh, Jay's like, I don't believe this. This guy just took off. He hit my car. I'm going to follow this guy. So he revs up all four, uh, five cylinders of his Volvo, and he's driving after this guy, completely forgetting that the Lone Ranger is in the back seat of his car. And as he's, like, chasing him, the Lone Ranger's back there just stoically going with the flow. So Jay cuts this guy off in the parking lot of, like, an Anderson's restaurant or something. And this guy gets out of the car, and he's like a middle-aged, straight-laced guy. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? And Jay gets out and says, hey, you bumped into my car, man. You cracked my light. And the guy did no such thing. Yeah, you did. Look, my headlights busted. The guy goes, oh, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And Jay says, well, I guess I'm going to have to call the cops. And the guy goes, oh, yeah? Who do you think the cops are going to believe? Me or you two hippie freaks? And then the Lone Ranger gets out of the back of his vault. <laughs> and says, they'll believe me, citizen. <laughs> and the guy says, I didn't know it was you. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, everybody. I mentioned this uh, event real quick here. Uh, speaking of Jack Kirby, guys, if you don't mind, um, what would it be? Yeah, this is the plug here. Uh, uh, I was on NPR this morning actually plugging this, but they didn't mention where or when or my website. So NPR now. Does it work, everybody? NPR stands for No Plugs Russ. We're not going to plug you. But uh, this weekend, we're doing an event at uh, this is the coolest comic book store on the east side of town. The coolest comic book store on the west side of town is called Drawn to Comics. And I have four uh, friends that are going to be there drawing their own 24-page comic book in 24 consecutive hours. They're starting at 1 p.m. They're going to end Sunday at 1 p.m. I'm recording the whole thing for a web series, but while the store is open, you can come check them out, and there'll be sales going on and stuff. Uh, but then on Monday night, right here in Tempe at Monkey Pants, um, 10 comedians are going to gather for the roast of Captain America, Jack Kirby's uh, per perhaps most important creation, Jack, uh, uh, Captain America, I'd say. Uh, we're going to roast him. He will be there in costume. So uh, please come for that. It's totally free, and the flyers are up here uh, with some information. I uh, called it the pro-life equation, right, but it was not a, an easy topic. So. It was <laughs> <laughs>
Monday marks what would have been Jack Kirby's 100th birthday. And to celebrate, my next guest is hosting a couple of events this weekend, including a roast of one of Kirby's most famous creations, Captain America. Russ Kazmierzak self-publishes Amazing Arizona Comics, and he's with me. And Russ, who exactly is Jack Kirby? Jack Kirby is the co-creator of many of the world's most famous comic book characters, Captain America, and then by extension, the Avengers, X-Men, the Fantastic Four, characters called the New Gods at DC Comics, which includes Darkseid and Steppenwolf, who will be the big bad in the upcoming Justice League movie, so that'll be a household name sooner than later. Jack Kirby literally created hundreds of comic book characters that are often credited to Stan Lee, and rightfully so, because Stan scripted and directed those stories. But Jack Kirby was the one that designed the looks of those characters and uh, laid out the original stories. So he was essentially the director of those uh, pre-cinematic tales. So why is it then that people like me who are not into comic books know who Stan Lee is but don't know who Jack Kirby is? Well, Stan Lee was and still is a great marketeer. He was the face of Marvel Comics in the early 60s when it changed the industry by making its characters more relatable to younger readers. Uh, So Stan became something of the mascot for the comic book industry, and uh, I believe rightfully so. However, um, as he was coming up with ideas and directing the artists in his stable or his uh, house of ideas, uh, Jack was the spearhead, kind of the, the guy that established the artistic look, the house style for Marvel Comics. And because Stan was so busy coming up with these concepts, editing the books, and being that marketeer, the artists were given the responsibility of laying out the story and essentially creating the plot. So they were truly the the co-writers at that time. Stan was just more outspoken while these guys were toiling away at the boards. Did that bother people like Jack Kirby, that Stan Lee was getting all the attention while he was sort of toiling in the background? I believe so. Uh, Jack was a uh, an old-fashioned guy. He believed in earning his keep and making his money. And, uh, and I think that in the moment, they didn't realize how revolutionary what they're what they were doing was and still is, um, but when what they were working on became immensely popular and much more mainstream later in the 60s, you have cartoon adaptations, you have Esquire magazine asking Stan Lee why Spider-Man is a figure of revolution on college campuses. I think those artists, including Jack, thought, you know what, we are in the middle of something very special, and we deserve some credit too, at least putting our names alongside Stan's as writers or co-plotters of these tales. Um, So Jack eventually left Marvel over that kind of contention and ended up working at DC Comics for a while. How did Jack Kirby get into drawing comic books? I mean, at at the time he was starting in art, this was not sort of a well-thought-of genre, was it? It was a growing industry for sure. He grew up in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, He was a rough-and-tumble kind of kid getting in fights after school and stuff. But he didn't care for that kind of life. He had lofty dreams. Uh, He tells stories and interviews about walking uptown, seeing how the better half lives, telling his mom, you know what, when I grow up, I want to be a crooked politician because they're eating well (laughs) in those restaurants. I see them through the windows. (laughs) And uh, he uh, escaped in pulp magazines, as many kids of that era did, uh, cinema, which was still relatively new, and, of course, comics coming to him via the Sunday paper. So he would trace his favorite stories, and he learned to draw on his own and eventually uh, started picking up jobs uh, in different studios. 
And did he continue working in the comic book field for, for the rest of his career? Absolutely. He was pretty much nothing but a comic book writer and artist, though he worked in production again with Hanna-Barbera in the 70s or 80s. He was always at the boards. He produced tens of thousands, if not more, pages of original art that that made some of those uh, most popular comics truly the best-selling of their, of their day from the 40s right until the 90s. He was always working, creating. He was a workhorse, literally until probably the day he died. <laughs> Russ Kazmierzak is the man behind Amazing Arizona Comics. He'll be hosting events this weekend honoring the what would have been the 100th birthday of Jack Kirby. Russ, thanks a lot. Thank you very much. And there you have it, my story at Untidy Secret Storytelling Series on Friday night and my interview at KJZZ that aired also Friday in the afternoon, all about Jack Kirby. You can follow me on Instagram at AmazingAZComics, or you can find my work at AmazingArizonaComics.com. Look for Phoenix Tonight on Facebook and YouTube. That's my live local late-night talk show where I interview local celebrities, actors, musicians, comedians, and so many more creative types here in the Valley. Tonight's Captain America Roast will be on that channel on YouTube sooner than later, so you could find it there. This is Russ Kazmierzak, and this has been Amazing Arizona Comics Radio.